Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History podcast where we revisit the cases of NHL players for the Hockey Hall of Fame in the case of this episode, one player who didn't play in the NHL. Um, my name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. Last episode, we talked about the 1975 class, Hall of Fame class, and we were like, whoa, maybe this is the straw that broke the camel's back. They inducted five guys. Maybe they weren't that deserving, but we felt like four of them were deserving. The straw that might have broken the camel's back is the 1974 class, which really feels like, with one exception, just like grabbing guys from the history of the league and being like, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> like, we better put these guys in before we just forget about them completely. Forget they exist. Yeah. One one of the guys we'll, we uh, when we talked about him was on my list for one of the best left wings in NHL history, uh, and we have talked about three of these players before. We talked about Dickie Moore, who is the obvious Hall of Famer on the list uh, when we did our best left wing episode, which I just mentioned. We talked about Tommy Dunderdale um, in our very first Hart Trophy episode, where we talked about pre NHL MVPs, um, and we talked about Billy Birch in the first ever. Hart episode um, because he is a the second Hart Trophy winner, the third Hart Trophy winner in NHL history. We have not talked about Art Coulter, but those are the four. Uh, three of them retired well before the 1970s. So, in fact, Dickie Moore also retired, you know, a few years before this. He d- retired for the third time in 1968. Second time, third time, third time, I think. Um, but the other three guys are old old timers. And it's hard to really understand, in the case particularly of the first guy we're going to talk about, Art Coulter, why suddenly they were like determined to get these people into the hall. And we do wonder, sort of, is this the class where people were thinking, like, maybe we should limit the number of guys because, like, we're just grabbing random dudes now at this point. So, no offense to Art Coulter, we are talking about Art Coulter first uh because we think he has the weakest case though it's not the worst case you've ever seen uh he is a defenseman from 1931 to 1942 um like many uh people who played then he i believe he went to his career ended because of world war ii if i'm not mistaken um however he was already uh if i'm not he was uh how old was he he was 32 so like his career was you know on its way uh, most play players didn't play into their late 30s back then um actually yeah he may have just retired honestly um no he served in the coast guard he 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 left to serve in the coast guard where he he had a hell of a he had a hell of a first season in the eastern hockey league when he was playing uh, working for the coast guard but anyway yeah I i would assume that a professional hockey player would probably rip up the league pretty good playing yeah. For the coast guard. yeah so when he retired, he was uh, the 14th D all-time in assists and the 18th D all-time in points, but he had 82 assists on 113 points, so not very much. It's worth noting that if you go on Hockey Reference and look that stuff up, you'll find many other people ahead of him, not just 17 or 13 players, and that's because this is the era when guys switch back and forth between position. So there's a bunch of guys who played half their careers at forward who are ahead of him in assists and points, but I'm trying to omit those. He was also 14th all-time in games played amongst defensemen. Um, 14th all-time in point shares and possibly 6th all-time in defensive point shares. It's really hard to figure out. There's like at least 7 guys who played both positions, you know, and in the 20s, who the hell knows, right? So um, he uh, doesn't qualify for any per-game leaderboards because he scored 30 goals, 80 assists, and 110 points in his career. However, if we lowered the qualifiers that low to get him in, He's basically last among all qualifying players and uh, in goals per game and assists per game, among all qualifying D, rather, uh, and second last in points per game. This is not a guy who scored a lot. He scored 113 points in 458 games. He was also a defenseman in the 30s, but still. Um, you know, Eddie Shore would have been scoring more than this guy. Of the 18 defensemen-ish to play in at least four modern seasons or 328 games between 31 and 42. He's 12th in goals, 11th in assists, 11th in points, but first in defensive point shares. So if we can take defensive point shares seriously in the 1930s, which I don't think we can, he was the best defense, defensive defenseman of the era, but like who the hell knows? Defensive point shares, pre plus minus, are not based on much. They're based on your team's record, basically. 
a little bit. And uh, like, like they're based on Golder in general, the entire team, not Golder, right? So he was on good defensive teams. Maybe he was the main reason. We have no idea. His 82 game average is 21 points. So not great, but he was a defenseman in the 30s. His three-year peak is a 48-game average of 13 points. So again, not a high-scoring player, but 5.4 point shares, which for a 48-game season is pretty good. Um, again, we can't take point shares seriously, though. Playoffs-wise, he was the 18th defenseman all-time in goals, but he was four. He had four. He was the 18th defenseman all-time assists, but he had five. He was the 18th defenseman all-time in points, but he had nine. Uh, part of the reason for this we talked about last episode. Um, Basically, the Stanley Cup final, which was between the NHL and other teams, was not included in the playoff numbers until 1927. So Coulter is so far up the defenseman leaderboards at this point, only because like George Boucher and King Clancy played half their careers, or in the case of George Boucher, most of their career before Stanley Cup playoff numbers were included in playoff numbers. And like, so basically all, all we're talking about there is like the NHL, the one round of NHL playoffs. So that's why the numbers are so low. Of the 10 uh, possibly defensemen who played at least 41 playoff games between 31 and 42, he's 7th in goal, 6th in assist, and 7th in points. Uh, so that's out of 10 players, so again, not a high scorer. He has um, two trades. Uh, he was traded into the NHL uh, at 21 for cash, and he was traded um, at 26 to the Rangers for Earl Siebert. Earl Siebert, I believe, was a pretty good player, um, but honestly, between the two of them, I don't actually know if, like, is Earl Siebert because there was a, there's also Babe Seabird. I get them confused, spelled differently. Two different Seaberts with e, the E and the I in different positions. Oh yeah, Earl Seabird's in the Hall of Fame. Actually, Earl Seabird had quite a long career. Earl Seabird had a much better career than uh, Mark Coulter, based on all-star team finishes. So, uh, um, yeah, I guess that was a bad trade for um, the Blackhawks. I should have mentioned. Uh, Colter played for the Blackhawks and then he played for the Rangers. Uh, two, two of my most hated teams. Perfect. Yeah. I, I'm kicking him out of the hall. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he, uh, he notably finished second or sorry, third in uh heart trophy voting in 1935. We should find out who he finished behind because that is something that's basically his, uh, he has two claims to the hall. This is one, well, three. This is one of them. Um, he finished behind Eddie Shore and Charlie Conacher. Um, Eddie Shore had 20 more points than Art Coulter. Um, and uh, 1.9 more point shares, almost two point shares. Charlie Conacher uh, scored 36 goals in, I don't know how many games, not a lot of games, probably. This is one of the years that Charlie Conacher probably should have won the heart. And didn't because Eddie Shore. Um, he had 36 goals in 47 games. Seems pretty good. And 57 points in the 30s when nobody scored a point per game. So, um, as I always, sorry, yeah, as I often say about defense, uh, if if you're like claiming that a, a person who never scores is one of the best players in the league, like you're also arguing that their their defensive value is so high that it makes up for the fact that they don't score um ever. And yeah. uh like this um oh they were the best defensive team in the league though. Uh the Blackhawks that year. Oh, um their their goalie allowed get this bill. What do you think Lauren Shabbat's uh nineteen thirty five GAA is? The goalie Coulter was ahead of. Well, you sort of set it up as something ridiculous. I'm going to yeah. say like 1.72. Oh, it's much lower than that. <laughs> oh, that's the playoffs. I'm looking at the playoffs. I'm sorry. His his playoff um his playoff GA is is under 0.5. Oh my god. So his regular season. I'm sorry. Let me find the regular season GA. Oh, you were right on the money. It's 1.8. Oh wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was a really good guess. Sorry. Thank you. I, right. I was looking at the wrong one. That's that's amazing. What a good guess. Um, yeah. So I mean, whether is it Coulter, is it Shabbat? Who knows? But anyway, he he finished third behind two all-time greats. So that says something, you know. Yeah. Sounds like he, he might have been pretty good. Um. He, but is the main uh 
the main claim to fame is he he made the second team, the second All Star team in the end of the season four times in a career that was eleven years long. So, or sorry, twelve seasons long. So that's a third of a third of his career. He was judged to be one of the top four uh, defensemen in the league by voters. Um. So yeah, maybe he was. I don't know. Um. He also uh. He's the best defensive player by point shares twice in 35 and 40. But as I said before, these things are essentially meaningless prior to plus minus. I mean, it just means he was on one of the best defensive teams or the best defensive team rather. So, I mean, given that his goalie was allowing 1.8 goals per game, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he had a lot to do with it. Maybe yeah, we, he was that we don't shutdown know. guy. Like, we, we don't know. <laughs> so also he won a, um, he won a cup in 1934 where he was the the uh, top two D um, by points, uh, but like who the hell knows? Like we don't have ice time, and there's probably not even footage, frankly, of that game. So or those games, so we have no idea what role he played. And he was also a top two D by points on a Rangers runner up in '37, and then he also he won another cup in '40 with the Rangers, uh, where he was top four D by points. But again, no idea whether or not he was actually a top four. You got to assume he was actually the number one be- or, or number two because he was uh, he made the uh, second All-Star team that season as one of the top four defensemen in the league. That's his 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 case. So his case is he won two cups. Uh, point shares didn't exist at the time, but he was best defensive player by point shares twice, and he has second uh, four uh, second team All-Stars. Oh, and he finished third in hard voting once. So it's very like who knows. Um, I feel like, Bill, in these cases, you and I are often both very inclined to just be like, well, we don't know enough to kick him out. Yeah. But I certainly have no idea. Like, I don't know what to do with a defenseman in the 30s who isn't Eddie, Eddie Shore. I have no clue. Yeah. Crazy. There's, I, I don't know if there's a way that we could really know how valuable he is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, maybe without going back through a, I'm going to date myself here, a microfiche and going yeah. back through like all of the articles about every game and reading like, you know, what did this reporter say about him? What did they, yeah. you know, what did the, the Hawks beat writers say about him? And what did the, the opposing team's writers say about him? And how yeah. often does his name show up as like, oh, we made a big play in the third. And like, there's, it would require a ridiculous amount of research. <laughs> I agree. And like, the thing is, is like, you know, you can say, oh, he finished third in heart voting. But as we've talked about during the heart series and in other times when we talked about awards, sometimes the voters go insane and do crazy things. And we don't know what seasons they did that in. You know, I'm thinking of my favorite Al Rollins in the 50s, but any number of other things, the, the time that no one knew what position Ovechkin played or Burray, right? Like yeah. these, those were, those voters had no excuse and they still screwed it up. So the guys in the <laughs> 30s, I don't know, can you trust the like third place finish yeah um oh by the way that reminds me i i learned something uh in the last couple of weeks bill that that i wish i had known when we did our heart series and i meant to tell everyone i think the last podcast but i forgot and that is that there were two heart votes for a long time in the really? uh, in the 40s and 50s there was a mid-season one and what happens is in many cases the inexplicable Hart Trophy vote uh, wins uh, of that era. I don't know if it was true in the 30s or not, but it was true in the 40s and 50s, and I think into the 60s. Sometimes the reason the guy won and it makes no sense is because he got off to an incredibly hot start and was the number one in the first Hart Trophy vote by such a big margin that even though he finished like fourth in the second one, he still won. Uh-huh. So it explains a number of ones where, like, say, for example, the years that Hull beat Makita and Makita beat Hull, apparent, and, and the stats are the other way around, apparently it's because one of them got off to a really hot start. Huh. They, 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 should, they should have that trophy again. Call it the Brian Savage trophy. Yeah. That's a very obscure hockey reference for somebody who's not a Habs fan. I was going to say, it's not obscure for me because I, I was, uh, you know, had a roommate who was a Habs fan. There you go. Yeah, it was like every October he would just tear up the league and yeah. like 10 goals in eight games and then fall off a cliff. And I feel <laughs> like the second half should be called the second half should be called the Aginla Trophy because I remember for like the last five of the last seven years of Jerome Aginla's career, like before he actually fell off a cliff, every November there would be like 
talking heads being like, is this a Ginless last year? He's terrible. It's like every yeah. year he gets off to a slow start, guys, and then you run the same fucking story. Yeah. And, and then he, talk about the and same then thing. And then he has De- December shows up and, and suddenly going. he's, you know, one of the elite goal scorers in the league. And you're like, wait, you couldn't have seen that coming? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it happens I, I, every I, season. I think for a lot of those older guys, it takes them a month or two to like sort of get back into the oh, absolutely. flow of the game just because yeah. they're so much older that like no matter how hard they train, it's just you can't mimic that like game speed. And, and they're, yeah. you know, once their body's like, yeah, we're doing this, then they're, they just go right back to the way they were. Not not always. Sometimes it's just you can just tell. Oh, it's over. Yeah. He can't skate anymore. But no, I just using it as like and, and less obscure opposite version because I remember like he was always getting people were like there was it was like years in a row where there was a and is there again is again the done article in October and also guys talking on broadcasts about it and you're just like will you ever like read your own shit from the year before or like watch your own broadcast because you're you're just saying the same thing you did last year and might. My money would be on, you know, anyway. All right. So uh, we don't know what to do with our Coulter. Billy Birch uh, played for 11 seasons, but he played much earlier. He actually retired a couple seasons into our Coulter's career. He, his career began in 1922. And um, he is, uh, he's notable for a couple reasons. Um, but the biggest one, is uh is his involvement with the strike which we're going to get to briefly um but basically or the 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 attempted strike um so he played from 22 to 33 he was 10th all-time in goals at his retirement with 136 and he was 14th all-time at his retirement in points with 196 Uh, he was also seventh all-time in games played with 390 so you know it was a different time 18th all-time in point shares of his retirement, 12th all-time in offensive point shares. You know, good player, but, like, hard to know when you're – it's the first two decades of the league, right? He obviously doesn't qualify for leaderboards for per game because he only scored 100 goals and didn't even score 200 points. But if we lower the qualifier so he does, he was 17th all-time in goals per game, 24th all-time in points per game, and last in assists per game among the qualifying players, however many there were. So not the per game numbers are less kind to him, which is not that weird. Of the ten skaters who played at least four modern seasons between um, between 1922 uh, and 1933 and 1933, um, he is fourth in goals, so that's good. Ninth in assists and last among the qualifying players, and fifth in points. So right in the middle, but like a top five forward-ish, um, hopefully, uh, you know. Um, he's also fifth in offensive point share, so that really... But again, the per-game stuff, for goals it looks okay, but he doesn't look so good for uh, assists per game. Um, and points per game, he's down near the bottom, seventh. His 82-game average is a paltry 41 points. I didn't even tell us... I didn't. Uh, give us uh um Coulter's adjusted numbers in part because like what's the point i should have yeah. done that yeah <laughs> like uh, they're gonna, gonna be <clears throat> well they're gonna be silly they'll probably be like you know they'll probably say he's like a half a point per game player or something and like yeah like no he's not uh <laughs> anyway um so uh it bumps him up uh, 74 points per 82 games to 115 points per 82 games, which is just preposterous and not real. Yeah. Um, is a three-year peak, I forgot to say, uh, 22 points in a 24-game average, 22 to 25, so almost a point per game. But yeah, the adjusted adjustment for error from hockey reference for the 20s is always a mess. And he doesn't he didn't score enough to, uh, to qualify for the versus X adjustment. Also, he didn't play later. I believe uh, late enough. I believe that starts in 27 when the league was actually the only league left. And so he doesn't qualify for it. Um, He was transferred to the Americans from, he was on the uh, infamously, he was on the tig- uh, Tiger Cats or the Tigers, whichever they were, the Hamilton team. Um, he was transferred to the Americans when they of course became they came into existence because of what happened in Hamilton uh, at age 24. 
and then he was traded at age 31 to Boston for cash, and then he was traded at 32 to the Blackhawks for someone named Vic Ripley, who I don't know. I have no idea. Nothing about Vic Ripley. Is he a... Um, I, have, I have legitimately never heard that name called. Yeah, yeah, he's... He, well, he played a while. No, um, 100 points in 280 games in the 20s, which is, you know, normal. Um, so, uh, this is where it gets interesting, and that is in 1925, he won the Hart Trophy. Uh, in our episode, we would have given it to Aurel Juliet or Babe Die. Uh, but we talked at the time about the possibility that the vote might have been held during the player strike. So basically what happened is the Hamilton Tigers as a team went on strike due to their owner being the Skinflint. And um, that ended the Hamilton franchise and they got, they got turned into the, the uh, New York Americans as a result. But we, we both, we wondered aloud because he didn't, his, his heart, his heart case that year is not great. Um, it's uh, what did I say? 25, right? 1925. So in 1925, he was uh, 6th in goals. He was not in the leaderboards for assists. He was 10th uh, in points. His team was a, was the best team in the league, I believe, that year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, before they... Yeah, they were the, the best team in the league. However, they then, you know, they were 19 and 10 and 1. Um, but he was not, I believe he wasn't even the best player on his team, if I'm not mistaken. 1925 Tigers. Yeah, he, he was uh, red-green. His left winger had had nine more points than Billy Birch did. So in, in, only, 20, in only 25 games. So That's pretty uh, significant then. That is a pretty significant increase. Yeah, so our thought at the time was maybe this was maybe Birch was one of the leaders of the strike and like the journalists were trying to um, express solidarity, but we have no actual basis for that. The fact is hockey wise, he didn't deserve it. He was the third best player on the best team in the league. And unless he was like excellent defensively, which who the hell knows it's 1925. It's hard to believe that a man who was outscored by nine points over 25 games uh, by his teammate. And he was, you know, like I said, he was third on his team in scoring, not second. Um, it's hard to believe that that guy deserved the Hart Trophy. So it might have been for non-hockey reasons. We don't know. Um, he was a top 10 player by point shares only once, the year before he won the Hart, funnily enough. And he was a top five offensive player that same season. Again, not the year he won the Hart, the year before he won the Hart. <laughs> um, he led the uh, league in goals. Or sorry, no, he didn't lead the league in goals. He was top five twice. He was top five in goals three and twice. He was one of only 25 players ever to have 20 goals twice at his retirement in 1933. He was top 10 in assists twice. He was top five in points once, top five in points per game once. This is not a guy, you know, we were we were talking last episode about um, Ace Bailey, who yeah. had like one great season. Uh, Birch never even had that great season. He never led the league in anything. So... His, his claim, the reason he's in the 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 Hall of Fame is is the Hart Trophy. He also had no, notably, no NHL playoff success. Um, he made the playoffs once in his entire career with the Americans in '29, and they were swept and scored zero goals. I mean, not just Birch scored zero goals; the team scored zero. Oh goals. wow! <laughs> I think. <clears throat> I should just double check that. Sure, I'm pretty sure. Who do they yeah. think they are? The Minnesota Wild? No, the team. The team scored zero goals. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> uh, so his only other claim to fame here is that he was the best player on a Memorial Cup champions in in 1920, and in 1920 uh, they were the Toronto Canoe Club Paddlers. That was their name, which is a pretty great team name. Um, he was. 20 or 19 i think that year and like we talked about last episode sometimes it took a little bit longer back then for uh you know um for players to get in the league but like aside from the heart trophy oh he won the bing as well i'm sorry but we don't care about the bing um aside from the heart trophy 
he doesn't really have a case uh, unless you care about the best player on the Memorial Cup in the 1920s. Hmm. The only reason his case is better than Art Coulter's is because he has a heart trophy. Art yeah. Coulter, though, made multiple end-of-season All-Star teams soon. In a way, you could argue that Coulter's case is actually better because he has more, you know, end-of-season stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we could talk about it at the end, too, but Birch seems quite... Uh, he died young. Uh, he died 24 years before he was inducted, which is weird. Wow. So no idea why he was inducted when he was inducted. Something, maybe that something happened yeah um, maybe they just looked back and saw like that guy had a heart trophy and we haven't put him in and we've put a lot of people in by now yeah basically everybody with a heart trophy except for al rollins so yeah yeah anyway um i have no idea what to do with him i suspect he doesn't belong but i'd also need like somebody you know to probably say like i need a definitive account of what happened with that heart trophy yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense from a stats perspective, but I mean, honestly, if they gave it to him because he was trying to like organize, I'm kind of like, I feel like that there's a builder case right there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, because like it took a long time for the NHL to, you know, have some fair salaries for the sport. And if he was trying to do that ahead of his time, I mean, I think he deserves some credit for that. All right. Up next, we have someone we talked about in the first, the like pre-heart episode, um, and that is Tommy Dunderdale. He never played in the NHL, so everything is even like more sketchy than with Billy Birch. <laughs> uh, he played in the NHA from 1910 to 1911, so only two seasons, and then he played in the PCHA for the rest of the PCHA's existence, I think for the entirety of his existence, its existence. He also played in the WCHL from 23 to 24. And prior to the, the NHA, he played in the CHA, which is like the like the last like semi-pro league. Like there were a few in the 1910s, there were some semi-pro leagues before the NHA became the proper first pro league. And the CHA, I believe they were sort of, they were partially paid. So he was young when he was in, um, when he was in the, uh, um, sorry, I just realized he doesn't even have a hockey reference profile because, uh, you know, he didn't play in the NHL. He, he should have a hockey. Um, like in the, in the tens or the aughts, I guess we would say, um, you know, there were some leagues where they would pay you a little, like a stipend or something. And the CHA, I believe was the most like considered one of the best of those in terms of quality. Um, but he was only there, he was there at a young age. So like he was only there for a season. Um, I'm just, oh, you know, Tom Dunder, Tommy Dunderdale was born in uh, Australia. Oh, yeah. Oh, they don't that's, have his, uh, that's CHA statistics. Was it like he was born in Australia and moved to Canada when he was like three and then grew up in it's Canada? Soon, but I have no idea. I mean, kind of like the Owen Nolan thing, right? Where it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not actually from Ireland or the UK or wherever he's from. Yeah. Nor- Northern Ireland. So I guess, yeah, the UK, but yeah. Uh, Yeah, uh, they resettled in Ottawa, Ontario uh, when he was seven. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk, I mean, the CHA doesn't matter. He he had seven goals uh, in three games. That sounds really good, but like he played three games. So NHA... Uh, he only played two seasons, but they were both quality. He had 27 goals, uh, which because they didn't have assists yet, uh, and in 21 games, which is pretty good. Um, if if you set the qualifier to 20 games for the NHA record boards, which, uh, leaderboards, which is I know absurd, but like they, the league only existed for like 150 games or something. Uh, he's 11th all time in goals per game and 17th all time in points per game. He had a 16 game average of 21 points, which is pretty good. And he never made the playoffs those two seasons. Um, he was uh, sent from the Shamrocks to the, the I believe, Quebec Bulldogs at the time. I honestly don't know. Um, sorry, i got to pull up his Wikipedia again because I don't know. 
where the Bulldogs were located in 19, like 12 or whatever the hell we're talking about. Um, what year are we talking about? 11, 1911. Uh, yeah, the Quebec Bulldogs. Uh, so the Montreal Shamrock sent him to the Quebec Bulldogs um, in the one and only trade. Uh, we have no idea what else was involved because it would happen. So yep. then he decided, though he was from Ottawa, he decided, like many people, to go out west and play for the league that was playing, paying people better. And he went to the PCHA. And uh, there he played, like I said, for I think its entire existence. He played 13 seasons, 11 quality. He is first all-time in PCHA goals. He is fifth all-time in assists behind only Cyclone Taylor, Mickey McKay, Eddie Oatman, and Bernie Morris. And we've talked about Cyclone Taylor, Taylor McKay and Morris, I think, in earlier episodes when we were talking about old timers. Yeah. Um, so those guys are all guys, like you know, good, yeah. good Name, players. Names that even, even like somebody who's mildly interested in yeah. old old time hockey stuff would recognize some of those yeah. names, especially Taylor. Um, yeah. He was he's second all time in points to Taylor, and he's third all time in games behind only Bobby Rowe and Smokey Harris, whoever they are. He is also notably first all-time in goals per game. He's 14th all-time in assists per game and eighth all-time in points per game. Of course, Taylor is all, uh, first all-time in assists and points per game. Taylor is probably better, but who knows? We didn't watch hockey back then. We were in, our parents weren't alive. My grandparents <laughs> weren't alive for all of this. Like my grandmother, I think, had just been born when uh, when the PCHA folded, and my grandfather had only been was a toddler or something. Yeah, and sounds, on the other side, like the same for me. Yeah, the other side, my my American grandparents were little kids. Um, so uh, his twenty four game average is twenty six points, twenty goals. That seems pretty good. Um, I didn't try to bo- uh, calculate a three year peak because like that was complicated, and like who cares? It's it's the PCHA. He's clearly one of the best players in PCHA history. I don't think we need to figure out what his three year peak was. Uh, his playoff numbers are less. They're 11 points in 15 games, but I think in the 20s, generally, the playoffs always were really low scoring. It's not created. Uh, it's not crazy. Uh, he he did get traded multiple times, I think, but the records for the PCHA are kind of bad. So he played for the Victoria Senators. Then he played for the Victoria Aristocrats, who I assume were just the same team with a new name. Then he played for the Poston, uh, Portland Rosebuds. I said Poston. And then he played uh, for the Victoria Aristocrats again. And then the, the Victoria Cougars. How he got around between those teams, I'm not sure. Um, it's possible that he was a free agent. It's also possible that there were trades. Uh, the Wikipedia article has some detail, but not enough. Then the PCHA folded. And he went to the WCHL, which, is, of course, is the heir of the PCHA. And he played one season. It was not quality. He had three points in 17 games, which is a far cry from his PCHA numbers. And at that point, uh, he retired. You see, he played two seasons in the WCHL. Sorry, not one. That's two. He played two. I don't know why it says. Uh, he played from 20. Oh, no, he played. Sorry. My mistake. He played one season. He got traded mid mid uh, season. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he didn't. He had a really bad. Um, he was. He's basically done at this point. Uh, and what? How old was he? Nineteen twenty-three. He would have been. Ooh. He was in his uh, mid thirty. He was like thirty-six or something. So that makes sense. Um. So. He was never he was never a star in the uh, NHA, which is fine. Um, however, in our episode about the early, the pre-NHL Hart trophies, we gave him the MVP of the PCHA twice in 1913 and again in 1920, which is why we have him third on this list of four Hall of Famers because he actually, we think, looking at the stats only, which we obviously don't. Like I said, my parents, my grandparents weren't even alive. In 1913, none of my grandparents were alive. In 1920, I think three, two or three of them were. Uh, but they were little children. It's a long time ago. There's no real information. But based on the stats, we, we judged him the best player in the PCHA in two seasons. So I'd say like that's 
that's his Hall of Fame case, probably. Yeah. First all time in DCHA goals, which feels like something. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I would agree that, you know, being being one of the best players in an entire league's history, however brief that history is. Well, I mean, they lasted longer than some other leagues. 11 oh, years yeah, yeah. Like, is, like, like, better than most of the pre-NHL leagues, right? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, other than the NHL, I think it is, like, the most significant league, so. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, just, you know, you lead a, league, <laughs> lead a league in scoring, it's usually, like, even if you played longer than some other maybe more brilliant players, it's definitely something that you can hang your hat on, so. Yeah. So we led the PCHA in goals twice, and goals per game twice, and points twice, and goals per game or sorry points per game twice which is why we judged him the mvp because we had nothing else to go on we weren't going to give it to a defenseman (laughs) like what are we supposed to do right um he was never a top offensive player in the wchl though because of course it was the the last season of his career and he was done and cha he basically didn't play uh he like played three games he did not make the playoffs in the nha but he was only there for two seasons. However, in the PCHA, uh, he was the best player on uh, the Aristocrats who uh, were a playoff team. He also, we have no idea what his role is, but he made the Stanley Cup final twice from the PCHA, first uh, on the uh, the Victoria Aristocrats in 1914, and then on the 1916 Portland Rosebuds. We have no idea. I could not find enough information about, like, what he did in those series. Um, I just, there were just wasn't information, but he did at the very least he made the Stanley cup finals. So we don't know whether he like was, you know, a bit of a playoff choker or whether his team just got outplayed by like, you know, NHA teams. We just really don't know. Um, the data from back then is really, you know, Hard to. I'm gonna try and pull one of them up. The 1914 Stanley Cup Finals. Um, weird. Oh, there's multiple. Yeah, because it's it was back then. Um, yeah, he. Uh, it's hard to know. Yeah, so Toronto. Um, looks like. Uh, Won the series three games to none, uh, and scored 13 goals to uh, the Aristocrats eight. So that scored them by five over over three games. And uh, we don't really know what Tommy did. Um, um, is he in the article? Oh yeah, he's in the article. Okay. So he definitely scored a goal, two goals, but we don't know how many <laughs> other goals it's. Uh, he might have been their best player. I have no idea. It's a long way yeah. of saying I have no idea. And and on the <laughs> it's, uh, it's so hard when the stats so hard when the stats are like kind of leading you in one direction, but you yeah. still don't know. <laughs> and then in Portland, the Portland team. Um, uh, let me see. Is he mentioned at all in the Portland article? Yeah, he's he's mentioned. Uh, he's mentioned that he played. Oh, he scored at least one goal. But that year, the the Habs beat Portland three games to two. Oh, much closer series. Um, yeah, much closer series. Five games, uh, five game series, and uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's, he was in two Stanley Cup Finals. That's the best we can do. But I think, like you said, Bill, PCHA MVP probably twice, also all time goal scorer. I think he's it's obvious he belongs. If we're like if we're gonna have non NHL players in the Hall of Fame, this is one of the guys who belongs in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Well that was easy. Uh, <laughs> so lastly, we have um one of the more underrated Canadians in NHL history, which is absolutely um, which is crazy because it's the Habs, so you there are all many of them are overrated. No you know, no offense to Hab fans, but like you know, we hear a lot about certain Habs, right? And so much about them. And Dickie Moore is not one of those guys, I think, anymore. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. I feel like when I brought him up on our left wing podcast, you were like, 
oh yeah <laughs> or something like that like yeah it yeah i was like, like oh yeah i forgot about how yeah 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 i forgot to check what what wing he played um yeah so he played from 1951 to 1963 and then again from 64 to 65 and then again from 67 to 68 i don't remember why he skipped multiple seasons it might have been injuries um it could have been uh some other reason yeah we might he might have been you know thought he should retire and then was like uh oh, yeah. maybe i should come back and try to win another cup because the Habs and they like they're good at winning cups yeah um there are so many people named Dickie Moore that it takes a minute to find him on Wikipedia. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, there are uh, 30 Wikipedia articles about someone named Richard or Dick Moore. That is shocking. Yeah. It's a very common name. I had no idea. Um, so, uh, let's see. He, yeah, he retired. Um, he retired in 63. Uh, but then he came back to play with the Leafs, the dreaded evil Leafs. And then he retired again. Um, and then he came back to play for the Blues. Uh, and he was not good in either of those comebacks, which is usually the case. So he had a bunch of penalty minutes for the Leafs, funnily enough. Um, so when he retired his first, the first time, that's when we're talking about, he was 11th all-time in goals, 14th all-time in assists, and 11th all-time in points. He was also 9th all-time in plus-minus, but it was recorded for half of his career. He was also 13th forward all-time in point shares, and he was 15th all-time in offensive point shares. So he was a top 15 player all-time, roughly speaking, um, at his retirement. Per game, makes him look a little bit better. 16th all-time in goals per game, 9th all-time in assists per game, and 10th all-time in points per game. So a top 10 player by assists and points, anyway. Of the 36 players, the skaters, rather, to play in at least seven modern seasons, or 574 games, between 51 and his first retirement in 1963, because we're trying to be kind to him, he's fifth in goals, ninth in assists, sixth in points, third in plus-minus, sixth in offensive point shares, uh, and fifth the fifth uh, forward in defensive point shares and 11th in point shares. He's fourth in goals per game, fifth in assists per game, so noticeably better, and fifth in points per game. He is better per game than he is totals, which I always personally like. I like players like that, I think per game stuff is generally a better indication for forwards of, of how good they were. Um, his 82 game average is 69 points, which doesn't sound that great, but of course, original six, we got to keep that in mind and early original, like mid, mid early original six, um, 30 goals though, per 82 games. And his, uh, now his 70 game average three year peak, 58 to 61, 36 goals and 84 points. So well, well above a point per game. His peak was really good. Also plus 24, but that only counts for two of those three seasons. In the playoffs, he was sixth all time in goals, playoff goals at his retirement. That makes sense. He played for the Habs. He was fourth all time in playoff assists, believe it or not, at his retirement. So way up there behind only Gordie Howe, Jean Beliveau, and Alex Tovecchio. Shocking that one of his teammates was ahead of him. Uh, and he was fifth all-time in playoff points with 110. This is a guy who had a total of uh, 607 career regular season points, and he had 110 playoff points. Like, what? That's a crazy ratio, eh? Like, can you imagine yeah, now that's... a player who had like one six as many playoff points as they did regular season? I mean, maybe maybe a Vetchkin or a Crosby, but like yeah. not many other people. Uh, much more common back then when you played for the Habs. Um, yes. Yeah. Fifth all time in playoff points at his retirement, uh, first retirement behind only Gordie Howe, Jean Beliveau, uh, Maurice Richard, and uh, Boom Boom Jeffrey. Uh, plus twelve. 11th all-time in his retirement, but again, that's less than half his career. Fourth all-time in playoff games at his final retirement. I don't know why I did that. Uh, behind Reg Kelly, Gordie Howe, and Doug Harvey. For some reason, I changed it to final retirement for per game, but it's probably because he qualified finally for the leaderboards. He was 15th all-time in goals per game, 13th all-time assists per game, and 12th all-time in playoff points per game. So one of the best, one of the 15 best playoff performers among forwards ever at his final retirement, which is, uh, I think maybe he had a good playoff for either the Leafs or the, um, for either the Leafs or the uh, Blues, which is why I included those years. Um, let me look them up. 
let me see here. Uh, playoffs. Yeah, he had 14 points in his final playoff. Bill, he had 14 points in 18 games, despite having a really shitty regular season. Wow. It's because he was playing for the Blues in the playoffs, I guess. Ah, so, uh-huh. I don't know. I see. Yeah. Of the 26 skaters to play in at least 82 playoff games between 51 and 68, including his two retirements, he is fourth in playoff goals, fifth in playoff goals per game, fourth in playoff assists, ninth in playoff assists per game, fourth in playoff points, first in games, fifth in plus minus. One of the top five forwards in the playoffs for his career. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, he did play for the Habs, but still. Yeah. I mean, the still. people above him were probably Red Wings and Habs. Yeah. Uh, but they were probably Gordie Howe, Jean Belvo, and Maurice Richard. <laughs> and like one other, maybe Red Kelly, right? Like those yeah. are the people probably above him. Pretty, uh, pretty um, heady company. Yeah. Uh, the adjustment for error, hockey reference, uh, bumps him up. 12 points per 82 games to 81 points per 82 games. It makes him almost a point-per-game player, which seems reasonable to me. He is not in any uh, adjusted per-game category. The versus X adjustment likes him even more. It bumps him up to 781 career points. Hockey reference is 712. Um, But again, he's not in the top 25 in any per-game category. He was waived at 33 only so he could come out of retirement and play with the Leafs. And he was traded at 36 uh, to the Blues for a player to be named later who turned into Pat Quinn, funnily enough. Oh. Um, and again, this was one of those things where he was traded specifically so that uh, um, he could come out of retirement. Yeah. Uh, both of the, those trades were based on that. Pat Quinn played two seasons with the Leafs before they traded him to the Canucks, I believe, right? Uh, geez, I'm gonna have to look it up. It's been oh no, he was he was he was left uh he was left unprotected in the expansion draft. That's how the there you go. Uh, Canucks got him, and then the Flames got him because he was left unprotected in the Canucks expansion draft. <laughs> Pat Quinn is in the Hall of Fame for being a coach. Yes, not a defenseman. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. So, uh, Dickie Moore. One of the reasons it's weird that he's not that well known is because he won the Art Ross twice. In 58, back-to-back years. And, like, how many, I would say, how many non-Habs casual hockey fans, Bill, do you think know that? I oh, feel like, like not, not very many people. That is a trivia question. Like, yeah. name a Hab to win the Art Ross back-to-back in the 50s who wasn't Jean Bellevo. And people yeah. would be like, uh, Boom Boom? Yeah. The Rocket? If, 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 they know, if they know Boom Boom, they might guess, or they just throw a one of one of the Richards out there. Yeah, hope, yeah. hope for yeah. luck. But no, it's Dickie Moore. I mean, there might Richard Richard might have won it twice too. I don't know, but um, Dickie Moore won it twice in a row. And in our heart, uh, in our heart discussion, we decided that he probably deserved it. He probably deserved the heart uh, in '58 and '59. We had him as the best player in '58 and the MVP in '58 '59. We might have debated that now. It's been a while. But I put that in there to be nice to him. He, of course, was a first-team All-Star twice in those two years. He won the Art Ross. He was a second-team All-Star once. He made six All-Star game appearances. Hockey Reference has him as the best offensive player in the league in 58. Uh, He was a top-five player by punchers those two years. He won the Art Ross. He was top-10 in 61 as well. Uh, He led the league in goals once. Only one of those two years he won the Art Ross. Um. And uh, he le- he was ne- he never led the league in goals per game, but he was top five four times. He is one of only 12 players at his first retirement to have scored 40 goals once. He was on one of only four players ever at his first retirement uh, to score 35 goals three times. Do you want to guess who the other three were? Oh, man. Well, I've mentioned all of them. Or we've mentioned <laughs> all of them already. <laughs> Gordy Howe, Jean Beliveau, and uh, Maurice Richard. <laughs> you are correct. Uh he was also one of only 19 players to have 25 goals four times at his retirement, first retirement, and one of only 22 players to score 20 goals six times. So he's, you know, both, he has those, like, you know, one of the rare players to score 40 goals, but also scored 20 enough times that it's still in rarefied company at the time. He led the league in assists once. I believe that's the other year uh, that he won the Art Ross. And he led the league in assists per game once. He's one of only 10 players at his first retirement to have 50 assists once and one of only 10 players to have 40 assists three times. Uh, he led the league in points twice, of course, winning the Art Ross twice. He was top five in points per game three times. He is one of only four players at his retirement 
to have 90 points. Uh, they were Belbo, uh, Jeffrey, and Howe, and he was one of only five players to have 80 points twice, and they are Howe, Belbo, Bathgate, and Bobby Hull, who had just, just done it, basically. Uh, he was one of only uh, 11 players to have 60.4 times, and one of only 12 players to have 50 points six times. So, again, both ends of the spectrum. One, one really, really elite season, two very, very elite seasons, and then some consistency. He was top five and plus minus once. Versus X has him for his best seven seasons. Versus X has him 49th in goals, 71st in assists, and 67th in points. And those uh, those get worse in his best 10 seasons because he was one of those guys who at his peak was, you know, his peak is much better than the rest of his career, basically. Because for his best 10, he drops down to 64th in goals, 99th in assists, and 95th, 95th, 95th in uh, points. Lastly, uh, he won some cups, as you might expect for a guy who played for the Habs. And I think you can probably say he was the best player on at least one of those teams. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. The 59 Habs, the year he, he scored 96 points, I should point out, in the regular season. In the playoffs, he had 17 points in 11 games. Wow. The next highest scorer um, on his team was Marcel Bonin, whoever that is. Wow. So I think, let's look at the goalie. The goalie stats are Jacques Plante had a 908 save percentage. So I think it's very safe to say this is Dickie Moore's Con Smythe had it existed. Yeah. So we should have won a Con Smythe. We now know. Um, he also led the Canadians in 62 in points, but they uh, they got eliminated pretty quickly. Uh, he also, like I said, he was uh, the, the best forward on the 68 Blues, despite having a bad regular season. So at the very end of his career, he had a great playoff run. So he was he was definitely a playoff performer. He was also a the best forward in, on the 54 Canadians that lost uh, in the, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, he led the playoffs in assists and points. And he on the 60 Canadians that he, he won... Uh, cup with he was a top three forward he led the playoffs in goals but not in assists and points and let's pull up that team to see a presumed Belgo had scored him but let's find out uh, 1960 playoffs nope he was outscored by Henri Richard and Boom Boom that year and then uh, he also, he won four other cups in which he was a top four, sorry, top six forward by points. That's in 53, 56, 57, and 58, including one year he won, he won the Art Ross, so clearly 58 in a playoff disappointment. He also was a top six forward on uh, the 55 Habs that didn't win. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so he, uh, you know, how many cups did he win? He won, I think, I think it's six, is it six? Go back. Um, six, yeah, he won six, but he was Dabs, absolutely the best player on one of those, and uh, one of the better players on another one, and then you know a, a a top six forward on the other four. So at least at least he has those two great playoff runs in addition to his two Art Rosses, and I think it's safe to say, um, at his position, this is one of the better left wing careers, certainly. Pre, uh, like pre Bobby Hall, he's one of the you know because he retired a few years in Bobby Hall's career. He's uh, for his first time. He's one of the best left wings ever, right? Sorry about that. I was having a sneezing fit and hit my mute button. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I believe so. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely uh, you know I I remember when we did that episode and like. I don't know why he wasn't on my list, but just like like you said, one of those names that like for some reason you don't think of him being as great as he was. Yeah. Um, just, and I think some of that is like his two best years are like so much better. Like these these are his single season totals, uh, his best years: ninety six, eighty four, sixty nine, sixty four, fifty eight. Drops off a cliff, right? Yeah. Um, like really does, and he had four. Very mediocre years. Like his first season in the league, 
his first three, it took him a long time to make the Habs regularly. It took him four seasons to make the Habs full time. And then his last two are all, they're all garbage. So they bring down the totals and the per game numbers. But at his best, he was, I think, easily the best left wing. I mean, it was Bathgate a right wing? Bathgate was a right wing. So he was the best left wing in the league in the late 50s. Because Ted Lindsay would have been older by that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he was not just the best left wing. He, You know, we're not qualifying it. He won the Art Ross two years in a row. So it's not like he's best left wing and there's a huge asterisk because it's left wing. Yeah. So he was, yeah. No, he was one of the best players in, in the world, briefly. His 59 year, you know, he he leads in 1959. He scores 41 goals. He leads the league in assists and points. Somehow doesn't lead the league in um in goals. And then in the playoffs, he leads the playoffs in uh, assists and points, outscoring his more famous teammates by a substantial amount, and should have won the Smythe had it existed. His 1959 season, I think he's possibly he's very close to the best player in the world and he finished fifth in heart voting because you know reasons yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up who he finished behind bathgate oh that's the year Andy bathgate won when it was bullshit right yeah so bathgate had 88 points so uh, eight fewer than dickie moore um Gordie Howe had 78 points, so way fewer, and came in second. Belovo, his teammate, is the one where there's a case. Dickie Moore had five more points, but Belovo had four more goals. Yeah. And then I, Terry Sawchuk, get this, Terry Sawchuk finished fourth ahead of Dickie Moore, and these are his stats. <laughs> a 3.09 GAA and an 8.96 save percentage. Now, the voters didn't know about the save percentage at the time, but they knew about the GAA. Yeah, yeah. I have lo- local writers voting for their favorite player. I don't know, something like, but... I, well, I the other thing is that might have been one of those years where the there were two votes. Oh, yeah. And maybe, and maybe he took off in the second half or something. Yeah. Because that would have been around the time when they were doing that. Anyway. Okay. But yeah, you're also right. Local writers, like the Detroit vote went to Sawchuk. Oh, How and Sawchuk was split between How and Sawchuk. The the New York vote went entirely to Bathgate. Yeah. And the Montreal vote was split between Bellevue and Moore. Yeah. That sounds which about right. Which resulted in Bathgate winning, even though I believe he missed his, the Rangers missed the playoffs that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's too bad because he deserved it. I think it's very safe to say that that year he was very close. If he wasn't if he wasn't the best player in the world, like maybe, maybe Belovo was. Yeah. But like Belovo had not like Belovo's playoffs were not great compared to Moore's like the playoff that year. And I mean, listen, I know Belovo had more, but like was a better defensive player and obviously had more defensive responsibilities, um, both as a center and because he's Jean Belovo. But like, where's Belovo on the list? Belovo might've been here. Hurt. Oh yeah, Belleville missed eight games in the playoffs out of eleven. So Dickie Moore like picked up the slack. Um, yeah, I think I think it's safe to say that uh, you know uh, maybe Belleville was the best player in the world, but like Moore benefited from that, and in the playoffs, it like was like it doesn't matter that he's hurt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm the star. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's just like, it's interesting because like you said, everyone knows him in, in, in Montreal because yeah. of his construction company, but like, why we, we don't know who he is in Toronto, like really. And I mean, he's certainly given the, the position he played at was such a historically, you know, um, weak position. Mm-hmm. He, he's definitely. It's interesting he's not more famous. Yeah, it really is interesting. And like, it's one of those things where you hear his name around Montreal quite a bit. And I, I think maybe just just overshadowed because they had Richard and Bellevue are like, you know, and Lafleur are like all time heroes here. And, you know, 
um, French Canadians. So like, yeah. I think that factors in a lot, but it's just the Habs have had so many great players over the years. Yeah. But I, I think even I, I would say boom, boom, Jeffrey on gets more recognition than, than Dickie Moore does. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. absolutely does. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I knew, I, mean, who, the I knew who boom, boom was well before I'd ever heard of Dickie Moore. Yeah. Yeah, his, well, his, his number's retired. Number 12 is him and Tornoy, I believe. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, Actually, Dickie Moore's from Montreal. Yeah, it's just he's, he's not. Yeah. Moore, he's, Moore is not a French-Canadian name. Is what very I'm clearly English, yeah. 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 So. All right. So, Art Coulter, how do you feel? Uh, if I had time to go back and do all the research, maybe I'd kick him out, but I guess leave him in. Yeah, I'm, I mean. Three second team all stars is good, but like who yeah. the hell knows? Billy Birch, great name. Uh, not sure he belongs, but yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, I'm going, I'm going with uh, if he's in for labor related reasons, then he's he belongs as a builder. If he isn't, then he doesn't belong. And I think I I, I would agree with that then. I think Coulter's case might actually be better, and I screwed up the order because I now that I've looked at it, I'm like, uh, Coulter, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. No idea what to do with Coulter, but like he does have those end-of-season all-star teams, and Birch, I mean, Birch predates them, I think, mostly. Yep. But that Hart Trophy was super sketchy, unless it's for standing up to his greedy owner. Tommy Dunderdale. Um, PCHA's all-time goal scorer. Yep, I think he's. I think he's in. Also, another yep. great Billy Birch and Tommy Dunderdale are two great names. Yes, they are. Yeah, I think this guy's a no doubter. Yeah, never gonna. I'm gonna die probably before I see any footage of him playing, because there might not be any. But I think you lead possibly the second most important pro hockey league. Certainly. You could argue that the PCHA is more important than the WHA, right? Like, you could. Uh, or as important, I guess. Um, and certainly, uh, so so one of the most important non-NHL pro leagues in, in, in hockey history, certainly in North America. And he leads it all-time in goals and uh, goals per game and was also possibly the best player twice. I think he's just absolutely a Hall of Famer. And then lastly, um, Dickie Moore. Yeah, Dickie Moore for sure. I think, like, I, I have no regrets about putting him on my top 10 list of all-time left wings, I think. Yeah, and I, I think I should have had, had him. I, I think when we talked, I'm, I may have been like, oh, my God, I forgot about him, and I've got to put him Yeah, there, I feel like you did. I haven't gone back and listened to that episode, but I feel like you did. And yeah. I think it's pretty clear, like, what other left wing, aside from, did Ovechkin even win? the Art Ross twice? He won it once. Is there another left wing in NHL history that won the Art Ross twice? I'm not sure there is. Yeah. There might be. Especially like a, a Conacher or Bentley or somebody like that, like yeah. earlier. I don't know, because uh, I know uh, I feel like one of the Bentleys and one of the Conachers was a left wing. Uh, but and some of them won some trophy, uh, Art Rosses or led the league in points, if pre-Art Ross. I don't remember. But like I, I think, like, original six on, there are very few left wings to win there at Ross. And, like, it's a very short list. And it's like, oh, Bobby Hall. Duh. Probably Hall probably did it twice. Right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be, it would be him and Dickie Moore, probably. Man. Which is probably why he was on my list, is because I gave a bunch of points for, you know, yeah. leading the league of points. <laughs> which is why Dickie Moore was way up there on it. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. Right. I like how you had like a point system of why you should be on my list. And I'm, just Oh, I, it, it was insane, Bill. It, the spreadsheet is just out of control. I haven't looked at it since the summer, but it was just like, I got, I get really carried away with those things. Cause yeah, I just, well, that's, that's why you do all the stats for the show. And I <laughs> think about players. I've think about players. I've seen play or things I've heard about them and go with uh, my gut. Zach Lowe, who is a, uh, for anyone who doesn't listen to NBA podcast, which is probably everybody who listens to this show, uh, is uh, like the guy who taught me like advanced basketball. 
he he's a podcaster but before that he he wrote for a website called grantland r.i.p uh and some other places um and he uh he called he has a spreadsheet for mvp each year in all-star and he calls it his warps and schnorps and it's his advanced stats spreadsheet and i suspect it's massive because it's just trying to include all these players who like may have like outside cases for like the all-star team and stuff yeah i've always i thought i like forbes and schnorps it's better than like you know point shares i think anyway all right that's it for us this episode uh i suspect we will probably have another just the 1973 class next time rather than um you know or we keep threatening best right wings and goalies but yes we'll we'll, we'll get we'll get there eventually yeah Yeah. the 1973 class is actually quite short and there's at least one absolute no doubter in the class so that's good it's the 1972 class that's scary because there's three no doubters well two no doubters and uh one uh other like there's there's five players in 1972 so 1973 is nice and manageable yeah um with doug harvey so that's cool so tune in to that and we will see you next time take care